Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Extra Point Podcast for today. It's Tuesday, January the 18th in the year 2022. Really glad you've joined us. My name is Todd, one of the pastors at First Family Church. And the real aim of the Extra Point Podcast is to take a few moments and look back at the text that we were in last week and bring some additional insight and observation. We have been in a series of topical messages since the beginning of this year, uh, the first two being on spiritual warfare. And then last week, we spent some time um, talking about the sanctity of life. We have, for the last few years, taken that week to do that, uh, joining our other churches and uh, pastors across the nation who emphasize that so important value uh, that Sunday each year. We were in Romans chapter 1, and we um, were talking about the headwaters of abortion, uh, those streams that feed into this uh, mindset and then uh, result in or produce this horrific uh, tragedy of abortion. I would encourage you to be sure if you've not heard the message to do so on our website, or if you would like a transcript of uh, my message from last Sunday, just email me. I'll be happy to to send one to you. It'll be a PDF copy. You can call our office. We'll get you one there. Just email me at todd at firstfamily.church. Glad to send that to you. I want to address from that same text one phrase that we did not really cover last week, but I think it is important to note as we um, understand really the context and um, maybe the the general background for Romans chapter 1, you know, that portion of Scripture between verses 18 and 32, it begins with this phrase, for the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And so when you read that, you, you, you may tend to think, well, Paul is speaking of a specific historical event, uh, maybe an incident. Because often in Scripture, you know, you, you do take the context of a passage, you ask yourself, what was the intention of the author at that time? It's called authorial intent, so proper and right way to interpret Scripture. And many of the narratives, even many of the epistles and the letters, uh, they were in specific places, obviously, uh, cultures and times and situations. And so you, you want to understand what's the historical event or cause or uh, situation um, that uh, you know brought about this writing or this recording or this scripture inspired by God. But I think in this case here, Romans 1, though written to a specific audience at a specific time, yes, Romans 1, and especially I would say even uh, Romans 1 um, through, you know, you get through about chapter, what, uh, 6 or so, uh, what's being discussed and laid out, I think, by Paul is really the human pattern. And it's a larger view of God's salvific plan for sure. But especially in the first few chapters, what Paul is laying out really is the human pattern. We could even say the human problem. And that problem, as described in this phrase that begins verse 18, is that man is in rebellion to God. And God has responded by judging his rebellion, his sin. Um, man's consistent attempts to overthrow God, to replace God with uh, himself, uh, this is the human pattern. This is the human problem. And it's been this way since the garden. So as you read these verses in Romans 1, understand it begins with this phrase that the wrath of God is being revealed against the unrighteousness of man. 
This is what's been going on since the fall of man in Genesis. So as you read down through verse 32, which we did Sunday, understand it's not just that we're pinpointing this um, this um, action of God in our own time. We can look back in Scripture and see this is how God has um, responded to the disobedience and rebellion and uh, insurgence of man against his authority throughout biblical history. I mean, think about the days of Noah, when the whole earth was filled with, with evil and violence against God. Consider the days of Israel, you know, several hundred years in which the kings were idolatrous um, and, and sexually perverted, and even, uh, you know, used pagan practices to revolt against God, and God then eventually judged them. Consider the times of Corinth uh, and even Ephesus in some of these terribly wicked days in which the children of God were still to be a light and a witness. Uh, they were in the middle of a, a decadent, perverted culture that was under the wrath of God. And our current time is no exception. Um, as people continue to wave their fist in the face of God, God continues by his own nature and character to respond to that in ways where he gives them up to their own debased desires and depravity. And to repeat the digression I showed Sunday, this is the pattern of human history. It's the uh, example of the human problem. There's this will to be independent from God and to exert uh, oneself in idolatry against God, and that always results in immorality, uh, which then leads to death. This is the digression of Romans 1, and it's actually God's judgment in which he abandons those who are uh, trying to suppress his truth, and he leaves them then to their own depraved and deathly desires. So you have in Romans 1, verses 18 through 32, just based on that first phrase, really an overview of, of the um, unfortunate um, uh, you know, synopsis, we'll call it, of human history of the human problem. I think there's one other thing I'd want to bring out, too, about this text, is that as you read these verses, Romans 1, 18 through 32, it's, it's interesting that there is a, um, there's a sense in which people are rebelling against God, and they're switching God for themselves. Um, they're denying His truth, suppressing the truth. Uh, they're worshiping the created things, not the Creator. And so you have this, uh, and I'm going to use this phrase appropriately, you have this sense and this appearance that that they're taking the place of God, and yet the text actually shows that doesn't occur in reality. It's the appearance that they're switching places with God. They think the unrighteous men and women who are in rebellion against God and His created order and design, the appearance is they're taking over. They're saying no to God, and so they're in charge of their own life. And yet, as the text unfolds, we see that God still retains sovereign control and is giving them up to these debased, depraved desires. I mean, if this was more like a, a movie or a storyline, it would be what we'd call perhaps like an ironic plot or a twist that someone thinks they're actually getting their way. 
They're showing God they're actually in charge. They're doing just what they want to do. They're creating new rules. They're, uh, you know, they're inventing new laws. They're, they're establishing an entirely new order. And yet, behind it all, God's actually allowing this to happen. He's giving them up and giving them over to exactly what they want. He's abandoning them to uh, you know, their unrighteous desires. And so let's not think for a moment that when people rebel against God that they actually get their way in one sense. God is not dethroned. Uh, he's not threatened, and he's not leaving um, you know, the, the place of rule over the universe. He's not. God is completely in charge, so much so that even in his abandonment of those who rebel against him insistently and consistently, that is his action and his ordained action to turn them over to the desires which actually lead then to what is just and right, and that is um, a death for that sin. It really heightens and brings us to a deeper awareness of God's incredible power and authoritative sovereign control. Even in his judgment, God is exercising um, his right and his authority and his power. And so in no way do we ever see in Scripture God relinquishing or releasing his rule as sovereign creator. He just does it in different ways, and in this passage, uh, we see one of the ways is this tragic um, and uh, you know awful moment in which God gives people over to the very things that they think they want, and yet in the end, the things they actually think they want are only to their demise. This is what we're watching play out in our own culture, um, God's order. His created design being attacked vehemently, all under the name of rights, and so much being added, so much being adjusted, and God's authority being, um, you know, rejected. We are watching this play out right before our very eyes, and from my opinion, it's increasing at an exponential rate. Uh, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, you know, you can see the seeds of this, but as each generation comes and goes, it just goes into warp speed, doesn't it? As we watch the um, immoral revolution take place, as we watch so many things around us um, uh, change um, as a result of man's attempt to subvert God's absolute authority— and that is what's happening. We're watching um, a, a rebellion against God's absolute standards, his absolute authority, his absolute rule, and everyone wants uh, uh, you know, the kind of authority that can be adjusted and altered based on what they feel in the moment or based on their rights. And, and none of that works for an individual. None of that works for a civilization. None of that works for an organization. It doesn't work for a family. Any entity, organization, civilization without absolute authority is absolutely bound for failure. And so I just, want, again, want to urge all of us in God's family to remain in a posture of submission to God's absolute authority and learn how to stay uh, underneath his rule with a consistent um, 
posture of yes, Lord. That is what Romans 1 calls us to. It's surrender and submission. And my prayer is that as you continue to reflect on these verses, you'll realize this isn't just a set of verses about a particular incident or a historical situation only. It really does lay out for us, really, um, the human predicament, the human problem, the human pattern of mankind in revolt against God. Fortunately, and for our own good, God sent Jesus um, to remedy that for all who believe in Him. And if you're listening to this today and you've never trusted Christ, you've never believed in the gospel as the only way for you to be forgiven of uh, your sin, then I just would urge you, as Romans 3 shows us and as Romans 5 unfolds, that there is one way to God— It's through Jesus Christ, and through Christ, God has both justified men and women, and He has remained just in this action because He sent Christ to take the place of sinners. That's why Romans would say God is both both just and the justifier of all who believe. And if you think you've stumbled across this podcast or perhaps just caught it accidentally, I can assure you there are no accidents or coincidences with God. He had you intentionally hear this with this with this uh, desire that you would repent of your sin and trust in Jesus as the only one to save you from the judgment of God that is being revealed against all unrighteousness. And so, my friend, I would urge you to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ today and ask Him to save you from your sin. Well, I trust that you will have a, a great rest of today, a great rest of the week. Let us stay in prayer and in a submissive posture to the authority of God. And I will talk to you again next week on the Extra Point Podcast.